You're listening to the oneofus.net podcast network. One of Us is a podcast and video network funded all but entirely by donations and subscriptions. We do accept pitches for audio-based or banner ads, but on a case-by-case basis. If you're interested in that, contact us at oneofusnet at gmail.com. With the amount of audio and video content we generate, it is expensive and extremely time-consuming to keep things running. Please go to the webpage oneofus.net and sign up for a subscription at 2 5 10 or $25 and get a ton of bonus content. One of us needs and appreciates all your support. a lot of things from watching this brand new Amazon Prime release movie, The Electrical Life of Louis Wayne, but one of them was, I am not as much of a cat daddy as I thought I was, (laughs) because otherwise, I definitely would have known who Louis Wayne was. Ladies, had you ever heard of this guy? I knew of his art, but I was so certain that you had, Chris. I'm kind of shocked to hear that. I feel a little disillusioned. I really felt like I was having a senior moment. Like, I'm like, no, I must know this guy. (laughs) His paintings of cats, which are, you know, pretty cool and and later on become deeply psychedelic. They were what popularized in the Western world, moving cats from being just sort of productive animals, like ones you keep around to get rid of other vermin, to actually being things that you cuddled and loved and kept in your own home. He's kind of the guy who did that because his paintings were so popular. I mean, this was just like 1900. How did I not know that? We should all have like little altars set up to this guy with the eternal flame. They would just get knocked over. They would because of all the cats that we have. Ever just go to Istanbul. They've been doing it for thousands of years. Cats everywhere in Istanbul. You don't want to go to Constantinople instead? I can't (laughs) not do that, Jennifer. I can't not. I'm sorry. People just like it better that way. I don't know. (laughs) Ah, thank you, Melina. Look, it's nobody's business but the Turks, okay? So just don't. (laughs) (laughs) They're looking at this movie like, yeah, we knew this about cats. Don't know what the hell you guys were doing for all this time. Uh, We're talking about the electrical life of Louis Wayne. Joining me on this review is Jennifer. I'm just here for the cats. Harmony. Perfectly timed. Thank you. Thank you. And Melina. Meow, meow. She's like, fuck, I don't this have anything here. This is the actual here. cat representation <laughs> on this film project because representation matters, folks. Right? Absolutely. Especially when cats are involved. All right. So this is directed by Will Sharp, a Japanese-English actor, writer, and director who is known for working actually on Sherlock. He did one of the very best episodes, The Hounds of Baskerville, and Dirk Gently, and a number of other things, like mainly television stuff. This is not his first feature film, but it's the first one I've seen. Somebody told me it looks so dry this movie's a lot of things but dry and lifeless is not one not of it. them <laughs> but benedict cumberbatch plays louis wayne who is a uh, offbeat neuroatypical gentleman to be sure he lives his life by no one else's rules but his own because i don't think he could figure out how to live it by anybody else's rules he is an accomplished artist in the sense that not only is he quite good and can do like very realistic impressions of people, although he prefers just to do animals, he can draw with both hands at once. And so he finishes it like, bang, he's gone. So he has no problem getting work. He just doesn't really want to do the work. (laughs) 
And he lives with his five sisters and his mother, who likes to go out and play more than she likes to take care of the sisters. So it, it kind of falls to, well, to some extent, him bringing in the money, but largely to his oldest sister, who's quite formidable, Caroline, played by Andrea Risenborough. I feel so bad for Andrea Risenborough. All she ever gets is these severe lady roles. <laughs> I feel like somewhere in there, there's this really sweet, nice character role waiting for her to do someday, but this is not that day. No, <laughs> <laughs> decidedly not. Yeah, she rules like a tyrant in this household, but yeah, he's doing stuff like making entire operas. He's trying to box. He's like an incompetent Sherlock Holmes, is what he's kind of <laughs> like. You know? You're like, where Sherlock Holmes does the same, he's got a billion different interests, and he's super quirky, and he's really good at a whole bunch of stuff, but he's also really, he needs somebody to help him as Watson, but he's like, you wouldn't want to mess with this guy. This guy's like, okay, you're just not all there. <laughs> you're a terrible boxer. You're you know. <laughs> a terrible boxer. He ends up getting a job for a newspaper that's run by Toby Jones, who actually, you keep expecting Toby Jones to turn into a jerk, but he's like this really sweet guy. Really sweet, yeah. And he takes it, and it really, because he realizes that it's the only way that they can keep a governess in the house that he's met initially uh, disapproves of. But when he meets her, Emily, played by Claire Foy, he sees stars. He's like, Oh, oh my God, she's smart and she's quirky and she's weird and she's hot and I am totally into this. Although he thinks there's no way in hell she's going to like him because it's a long shot, to be sure. <laughs> Social graces are not what his strong point is. But they do, in fact, hit it off. And the first half of this film is really their romance and their love affair and then eventually marriage. And then it goes super, super, super tragic. And the rest of the movie is just sort of, and now here's the whole rest of his life. Like, yeah. kind of real fast. Yes, exactly. <laughs> he was lucky that he was able to take care of his family and himself to some extent by the fact that she introduced him to cats. They found a stray cat and fell in love with it. They named Peter. That was totally adorable. I love it when they name a cat like a people name. Yeah. <laughs> Like, this is John. <laughs> this is Howard. I always think of that one Family Guy joke where Adam West is like, he picks up a cat. He's like, come on, Paul. What a ridiculous name for a cat. <laughs> I have a Max and a Mia, so I get it. Yeah, I've got a Jack and a Meg, so. After she uh, passes away, he's like, this cat is kind of the only thing I got left of hers. So he just starts drawing cats and drawing a lot of cats and just cat, 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 cat. And before you know it, it takes off, turns into a huge thing. Everybody loves it. He's getting calendars and deals. And you're like, wow, he's got to be one of the most successful artists in England, right? Wrong. Because he doesn't know anything about business. Copyright. He'll get you. This could have been told as a very, very constantly depressing film. And instead, the director went with sort of this very light, very quirky, lots of Dutch angles, lots of theremin music type of touch for this guy who just lived a super unusual life. And I got to tell you, I was here for it. Yeah, it's very whimsical. That was the word that kept coming to my head. The one thing that I kept thinking was this kind of looks and feels like a Wes Anderson movie that doesn't go to the Wes Anderson level, but it's just so mm -hmm. colorful. The shots are so beautifully put together. The shot and the symmetry is not the star of it. It's not calling attention to itself the way that Wes Anderson does. No knock on Wes Anderson. I love that he does that. Here, it kind of felt like we're just going to let this be the whole thing. We just want this to feel like a big cycle 
psychedelic painting the way that he would do his later art. Yeah, in that regard, I was like, that was the one thing that throughout I just thought was amazing. I was like, this is just so beautiful to look, to look at. I cannot look away from it. To play the counterpoint on that, because I'll be that guy on this one, which I'm surprised because I didn't walk into this film expecting to feel the way that I feel about it. I come very surprised. You mentioned psychedelic, and that is absolutely an apt description for the last act and a half of this film, which confused me greatly. The first mm -hmm. half of the film was beautiful, and I loved it. Mm -hmm. I was here for it. I cried. I cried many ugly tears, and Rob had to walk into the room and be like, oh, Oh God, are you okay? But then the second half of the film happened and I don't know what went on with it or why, but I sat there thinking just, these are choices that have been made. These are decisions. The thing that was the most jarring for me, I think, was the loss of a sense of time in it. It was a very linear flow through the first half. And then the second half, it was... Like Chris mentioned, they wanted to cover all of his life, so it was just chapter after chapter after chapter that didn't feel connected and didn't feel like they really gave a sense of how things were going over time. It, it just felt like there was too much that they tried to fit into the last half, and so it felt very disjointed for me. Now, I might be crazy and ridiculous, but the last half of it just completely and totally ruined this film for me, and I walked away with my hands in the air like, what the hell just happened? Jennifer, I just need to say you are crazy and ridiculous, and that's what I love about you. Thank you for that. All right. You know, sometimes I just need to be told that. I kind of agree. Like, I really enjoyed the love story part of it. And I think because the second half is just bullshit after <laughs> bullshit, horrible thing happens to him. Just one after the other after the other it got to the point that it was just really kind of stressful. But I think it's because there's a better payoff towards the end, right? Like how enjoyable that part is, it's, it's really hard to watch. But I think it does capture kind of this of, of a schizophrenic mental health issues that he's obviously going through and that the hmm. whole family obviously suffered from as well because he had a sister who was also they were saying was schizophrenic although apparently it's still controversial whether or not he was actually schizophrenic there's a lot of people that still schizophrenic like like they're like art therapists have say well his later work does reflect things that would not be atypical for people with schizophrenia or borderline schizophrenia but they're not sure there's also even people think that he got it from toxoplasmosis which is what you get from hanging around untreated cat poop for too long, mm. uh, which obviously is well within the plausibility range for this guy, because his house was lousy with cats in the second half of his life. But I understand what you're saying about the second half. It was a direct choice to kind of speed it up and make it more angular and more crazy, because he lost it. I mean, he was barely holding on before he met his wife, and then afterwards, he can barely function. Drawing cats is like all he has that's keeping him on a line going mm -hmm. straight ahead. And I kind of liked that about it, but it took me a little while to adjust to it, because I felt like a lot of the first half kind of reminded me of something like Amelie. Maybe not as much magical realism to it, but it had that same sort of like that type of quirk it was going for, right. that sort of charmingly odd. And then the second half is like that played at like speed and a half. And like, well, let's crank this sucker up! We gotta get to the station! And I think ultimately it reflects the guy's life accurately, but it is a little disconcerting. I completely agree with you both, Jennifer and Harmony. I thought that first half was so amazing. I loved how they built that love story. I thought those two actors had such great chemistry. You are so rooting for them. It's so mm -hmm. organic. The film definitely has been sold as being about their romance and the way that what happened with her affected the rest of his life. So I understand why they wanted to tell a story that focused on what happened after she 
inevitably died, how that really affected the way he saw the world, how it affected his art. Unfortunately, this feels less like a narrative than it did before, than it does just a living Wikipedia article where they're mm. just like, okay, let's try to hit as many of these points of his life as possible, but they're so brief, each and every single one of them, and they don't even feel wrapped up as much as Olivia Coleman as the narrator just comes up and says, and this is how that part of his life ended and on yeah. to the next. And at True. the end, I was like, okay, it finally is stopping and it's finding its focus again. It's just sitting in a room and letting people talk. But I was like, it's just too little too late. It actually mm -hmm. made me angry thinking, I feel like Claire Foy was kind of ultimately wasted because she feels less like the crux of the film than she does a device. Actually, we were on review together, Melina. I don't remember what it was. We were both described it as like a living Wikipedia article, but at least this when it's doing it is just dripping with style. So I'm like, yeah. oh, okay, well, that's a little more tolerable when I'm like, it's very pleasant to watch. I just wish they would slow down and or just have chosen to like more slice of life it like we don't need to tell his whole story let's just mm -hmm. pick a period and tell that story agreed yeah, that first half was just so beautifully laid out you get comfortable with the pacing of a film at a certain point and then for them to just switch from this one style to another honestly if you had cut it in half given me one half i would have liked it if you'd given me the other half i would have liked it as it was but those two mm -hmm. things were so different i've watched films where they attempt to put you into the mind of a character who is deteriorating in some way and, and attempted to evoke that in the way that the film was produced and I don't mind that I have no problem with that but the execution of it was so strange for me that I didn't connect to that's what was happening until way later in the film and then looking back on it I was like no I just don't like the way that was done in this case not so much a fan of it yeah I think it was just a pacing issue maybe if there had been more inklings of the psychedelic mm -hmm. later on like if it had been building up to that weird kaleidoscope moment later the across the universe moment you know if we had built to that that would make more sense it was just like all of a sudden here you go here's a nightmare scenario it was a bit much for me but i can't get over how much i enjoyed the first half though i feel like it'd be a great movie to get high to quite frankly right? i don't really smoke pot yes. anymore but it feels <laughs> yep. like a total stoner movie in many yep. ways especially if you're a stoner who likes cats it, it does jam. both those things it's sad but it makes a point anytime it's gonna get too sad it yanks you away from it and goes yeah. let's go look at this other thing which i kind of think is why the second half is so sped up more than anything because they're like we don't want to make this a really sad movie a lot of his life was really tragic, but we're going to try and keep from making it a really sad movie. We want this to feel fun. And it does kind of feel fun. And, you know, I think that's part of it. They don't slow down to go, Jesus Christ, dude, this guy is fucked. <laughs> <laughs> I would kill for Coleman and be like, this guy, this sucks. Like, yeah. <laughs> sucks to be him. And then it? his life was bleak. She just like breaks out of her Victorian sensibilities for one second. And she's like, oi, this is fucked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been worth it. Uh, well, let's go to final thoughts. Melina. I cannot stress enough just how in love with this I was for the first half. It's a great love story. And I love the way that they built it. And I love that there is just this whimsy about the whole thing. It's it's light, it's fun, it moves constantly, just like they describe his mind does. You do feel connected with him in that regard. And Claire Foy is just so amazing. I just love her to death. And so when the movie shifts gears as drastically as it does and doesn't allow that second half of the film to really settle on something and flesh it out, I just got really bored. And I couldn't believe that. I was like, I can't believe that it turned me off as quickly as it did. I was so with it. Yeah, it's visually stunning throughout. I love the score and I love the cinematography. 
I don't hate it. So I'm like, if you want to see something like this with Benedict Cumberbatch and Claire Foy knocking it out of the park, then I don't think this this is going to turn you off. It's just, I wish that it had been more even. And I really wish that it had not lost its narrative. And what the hell was that getting Nick Cave to play H.G. Wells for 10 seconds? <laughs> I just couldn't get over that. There was a lot of weird, that's it, cameos, like Taika yeah. Waititi and Richard Iode. You're like, wait, yeah. what? Did, they, yeah. were they, did I just see them? <laughs> they were just at the studio on a day and were right. like, yeah, we'll be in this. Yeah, why not? All you right, want to cool. wear a mustache? Come on in. Yeah. <laughs> Love a mustache. Little decisions like that throughout where I was like, if you just slow this down, this would work. But alas, I'm going to give this six and a half out of ten cat hypnosis videos, which thanks to this exists now. <laughs> <laughs> Harmony? It's kind of hard to not be like, yeah, it's beautiful, it's great, but also that second half. Ugh. But I think Benedict Cumberbatch is amazing in it. Like he, even with ups and downs of the kind of the tonal shift or whatever, he sells it in every scene, I think. I really like Benedict Cumberbatch or Butternut Crinkle Cut, whatever his name is. But <laughs> like, like I'm a huge fan. So uh, that was my whole draw to the movie was to see it for him. Claire Foy, uh, just marvelous. And I want a governess. Like, that sounds great. I think everybody gives like 110%. And it's just so weird in the second half. It's like kind of a letdown. I think I'm going to give this six out of 10 sisters that I think could probably still get jobs, but don't need to depend on no man. Jennifer? I just want her to be my governess. Like, right, no, exactly. just to her. And yeah, I came <laughs> exactly. for the Benedict Cumberbatch, stayed for the Benedict Cumberbatch. I could and would watch him paint a white wall and would be absolutely <laughs> fine with it. Preferably if he talked to himself while he did it. Yeah. And maybe Morgan Freeman is narrating the whole yes. thing. <laughs> <laughs> or Jeffrey Wright. <laughs> now I need this to happen in my life. Get Michael Wincott. That would be awesome. Oh, this guy's really fucked. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That's my day. I'm done. <laughs> the first half of this film, as I said, absolutely loved, was here for it. Cried the ugly cried. It made me feel the feels. So I'm going to give that a solid 9.9 .9 out of 10 because damn, it hit me in all the places I needed it to. And it was charming AF. The second half of the film was just so jarring for me in the pacing. I just can't get over it. So I'm going to give that a six and a half out of 10. So I guess overall, I'm not even going to attempt to average in math. So I'm just going to give this a 6.85 out of 10 cat walks in the rain. So one thing we haven't even addressed is the key to the title, the electrical life of Louis oh, yeah. Wayne, because this guy had yeah. some ideas about electricity that would have made Tesla go, whoa, slow your roll, man. That sounds a little crazy because <laughs> <laughs> they were kind of out there. I mean, not based on anything vaguely resembling actual science, but he really thought love is electricity and life is electricity and cats bring electricity and just electricity, man. Vibes, man. My vibes. <laughs> he was all into the electricity. He heard about it and went you mean there's this invisible force everywhere around us all the time and we can actually tap into it and make light bulbs come on that's amazing and he just never stopped thinking about it also <laughs> the most annoying swimmer in the world just a guy <laughs> who would ruin your pool party do not invite <laughs> louis wayne to your pool party he's kind of obnoxious well there goes my summer plan i just had fun 
I had fun through even the, the whole second half. I think everything in this movie is great, except the editing, because they should have gone back and said, we got to be able to find a better way to, to construct this that make it work more smoothly. Like maybe even if they had made it keep flashing into the future without telling you what happened, you know, we're seeing all this stuff, but you don't realize, oh, his wife dies. So it's kind of telling that as the bigger story would have been the way to cut this. I don't know how you would have done that. I'm not the director. I've never directed anything except to try and get my cats to do things and they never listen. So. So maybe that's a good sign. I did have a lot of fun with this anyway. I think it's beautifully shot. Performances are all great. Cumberbatch is, as always, terrific, especially when he has a super manic role. I mean, like I said, imagine him as Sherlock just with it adding nervous uncertainty into the mix and you get <laughs> this guy. I'm going to give this seven out of ten conversations with cats that are subtitled because you can hear what the cats are thinking, which should happen more in every movie. I was just thinking before this, my favorite movie cat of all time is in that movie Go. Have you ever seen this movie? Oh, yeah. Yeah, terrific little action comedy. And there's a scene where one of the characters takes way too much ecstasy. And he's like freaking out. He looks at the cat and it's like beautiful Maine Coon. And it just says, I can hear your thoughts, like (laughs) subtitled on the screen. And he's like... (laughs) And the whole scene, there's no conversation. He's just making faces and they subtitle him. He's like, no, you can't. You can't hear my thoughts. And then they have this philosophical argument about mind reading. And then there's a pause and the cat goes, I'm going to kill you. (laughs) And then he's like, oh, oh no. (laughs) Okay. I don't want to talk to that cat, but you know. (laughs) 